Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. Two weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 145, and we talked about how some commentators, and I like to see it this way, see 145 through 150, the very last chapters of the book of Psalms to be a crescendo of praise. We talked about that at depth uh, on um, the last time that we were together when we talked about Psalm 145. And we talked about it being kind of the exclamation point to the book of Psalms. You know, this book of songs and poetry that had ebbs and flows and highs and lows and songs of praise and songs pleading for help and songs of worship and songs asking for forgiveness and just honoring God and just people's lives, really, uh, talked about in, in these songs and what they were thinking and petting their hearts and the way that they saw God and uh, these last uh, chapters being that crescendo. Psalm 145 brings it way down and starts it. And so now we go to 146 today. Now, 146 through 150, you will notice that every single one of those psalms start with a single phrase. Praise the Lord. And it ends with the exact same phrase. Praise the Lord. Lord. So 146 through 150, that every single one of those psalms start with praise the Lord, and they end with praise the Lord. Right? It lets you know that's what's the beginning, and then that's how it ends up, is praising the Lord. And so today, this morning, we're going to dive into Psalm 146 and look at it. Uh, and how uh, it can apply to our life today as we worship and as we honor our Father. Of course, praise the Lord. Worship Him. Honor Him. Give Him glory. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That means everything that I am. That word soul there embodies everything that you are. We are mind, body, Spirit, right? We are, that soul is everything that you are. Everything that you are. Your will, your words, your talents, your gifts, your abilities. Everything that makes you who you are is your soul. And he says, I praise the Lord, oh my soul. He's saying, everything that I am and everything that I will be, I praise the Lord. He's giving God praise that he has breath in his lungs. And he's giving God praise that he is where he is in his life. He's giving God praise for creating him. He's giving God acknowledgement for everything God has done. He's giving God acknowledgement for everything that he is. He's giving God acknowledgement for everything that he is and recognizing that without God, he is nothing. For dust we were formed and from dust we will return. 
That soul is everything that we are. And it what remains when our physical body dies. When your physical body dies, it's your soul that remains. That's who you are. That's who God created you to be. That's what God sent his son to redeem. Now as part of that package, I get a new body. And my flesh gets redeemed too. But what he redeemed, was redeeming was the soul. When he breathed into Adam, he breathed into Adam his spirit, his soul. Adam was nothing more than a clump of dirt formed to look like a man. But when he breathed into Adam, he breathed into Adam the substance of who he was, which was his soul. And that's what he died to redeem. My soul. And so everything that's in you, everything that you have, we should praise the Lord. Amen. That means your worship and my worship should always be the best that it always can be. Amen. Because I'm giving it everything I got. Right? I should never, we used to, uh, when I was a marching band, and when we would have a performance, the director sometimes would yell at us if we did particularly bad, and he would say, we left it on the field. Right? Uh, you left that performance on the field. You, 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 you left that one behind. Right? Because we didn't give our all. And so we left part of us on the field. Right? We didn't give 100%. Right? We didn't do as well as we could have. And so the cliche was, his phrase was, we left it on the field. Uh, athletes will talk about that too. They'll talk about on the football field that they left it on the field. Anyone who ever has, performs or is in that kind of activity, uh, they'll say, I left it. I didn't do my best performance. When we come into God's presence, when you're at home and you are worshiping God, when I'm at home and I'm worshiping God, when I'm in his house and I am worshiping him, I shouldn't leave anything behind. I should give everything Amen. that I have. Amen. If that means my voice goes hoarse, my voice goes hoarse. If that means that I leave here uh, tired, it means I leave here tired. Do you know what I'm saying? Give everything. Hold nothing back. Because listen, he held nothing back for you. made his own son. His own son became flesh, dwelt among us, and sacrificed his life for us. Amen. So why can't I praise him with all that is in me? Amen. Now you and God knows what's your all. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't know what your all is. So I want you to understand we don't put categories on how people worship. You know what your all is and God knows what your all is. And he wants your all. Amen. Don't leave any of it on the pew, in the chair when you leave here on Sunday mornings. But pour it all out before Amen. God. Amen. Praise the Lord, all my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. What he's saying is, while I'm in this flesh, while I'm on this earth, while I'm breathing this air, I will praise the Lord. Now we all know that when we get to heaven, it will be a time of worshiping and praising and honoring God. But we're not supposed to wait till we get to heaven. 
to worship God. We need to be worshiping Him, worshiping Him right now in our flesh while we have breath. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Don't wait till heaven. While you're in this flesh, worship Him. While you're breathing, worship Him. When you're in your hospital bed, worship Him. When you're sitting next to someone in a hospital bed and there seems to be no hope, worship Him. As long as you're in your flesh and as long as you have your breath, worship Him. Amen. All of your soul, all that you are, as long as you and I draw breath, Praise the Lord. Amen. That means our lives need to be lives of praise. Mm. Our lives need to be lives of worship. Yes. Honoring Him with every decision. Honoring Him with the words that come out of our mouth. Right. Honoring Him with the actions and the way that we treat others. Yes. Everything that we do <laughs> should be done to honor God. Yes. That's how... Why Paul wrote, whenever you do anything, do it like you're doing it to God. Right? No matter how much you hate your job, honor God in it. No matter what you think about it, no matter where you're at, honor God in your job. Honor God in your dysfunctional family. My family's dysfunctional. It's, it, you know, my brothers haven't really had any communication other than a pleasantry at a funeral. At my mom's birthday, and I can't even, I've lost track of the amount of years. My family's broken. But in that, I honor God. My mom honors God. Amen. And that when they're around, we honor God in our words that we speak. Amen. And the choices that we make. We don't badmouth Jim to Charlie or Charlie to Jim. We don't badmouth one wife to the other. You see what I'm saying? We honor God. So my family's broken, but I still honor God in the brokenness. Believing yeah. that one day he's going to redeem that which was broken. One day my brothers will be in the same room together and they'll be able to give each other a hug and say what they haven't yeah. been able to say in over 10 years. I love you, brother. I believe it. There's restoration coming. While in my flesh, while I have breath, I honor God. Amen. Even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of pain, and in the midst of disease and death, I honor God. Amen. While I draw breath, I honor Him. Amen. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs and returns to his earth, and that very day his plans perish. Now, obviously, you and I are not to put our trust and our faith in leaders, human leaders. That's right. Yeah. Right? The president is not your God. I don't care if he's Republican or Democrat. Obama was not your God, and Trump isn't your God. You Bill Clinton wasn't your God, and George Bush you wasn't your God. I don't care. God is not a Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Independent. Amen. God is God, yes, and He Jesus. rules them all. Yeah. All right? So let's get that out. All right. Because listen, no matter how bright the president is, no matter how eloquent he may be able to speak, no matter how eloquent your state representative is, or your congressman, or your senator, no matter what, 
They're still man. And no matter how wise their plans seem to be, when they die, their plans go with them. That's what it says right here. And his spirit, when his spirit departs, he returns to his earth. And that day, his plans perish. we got to trust in that which is eternal. Amen. Trust in that which lasts forever. Yes. Give worship and honor to that which lasts forever. Don't worship a man. Worship God. Amen. I shouldn't be worshiping a leader. We worship them. Let me tell you, there are people that worship Obama. President Obama. And there were people who worship right now President Trump. Literally willing, they would die for these people. They're men. They're human beings. Both were sinners. Right? Our faith and hope and trust, they're not our salvation. Their programs aren't going to save us. Their brilliant ideas aren't going to save us. That's the problem in our world today. We're looking for man to save us. And that's why it's so broken. That's why countries are going bankrupt. Is we're looking for man to save us instead of God to save us. We're trusting in man's wisdom. Well, man's wisdom's done nothing but mess things up since the beginning of time. From the time that Adam and Eve ate the apple to the building the uh, Cain killed Abel to the building the Tower of Babel and God having dispersed them. To the days of Noah when God had to destroy them and save only Noah and his family, man has done nothing in his wisdom but mess things up. Man will not save us. Israel had a habit of trusting in man. They wanted a king. God told them it was bad news for them to have a king. That when they had a king, he was going to lord over them, take their lands for himself, their wives, their sheep, everything. They said, give us a king anyways. Amen. He warned them when he put a human, when they put a human in God's place, yeah. a man in God's place. Amen. That man let them down. Uh-huh. And then guess what? Every man let them down. Yeah. David was a man after God's own heart. Many considered him to believe one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had. Guess what? He let them down. Solomon, wisest of every person ever on the face of this earth, even amazed uh, the, 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 the other leaders on the earth with his wealth and his wisdom. Guess what? He let his kingdom down. Man won't let us down. Israel had a habit of whenever they got in trouble, they would run to other kings around them for help instead of going to their God. That's why they were rebuked. And God said, what are horses going to do for you in chariots? They will come for not. In the book of Isaiah, I believe it is, he tells them as they were going to go seek help from another king, I guess another enemy, instead of calling upon the Lord their God, uh, God rebuked them and said, horses and chariots can't help you. That, those arm, that, those weapons, those modern weapons, they, they, they can't help you. But many times we are looking for human solutions when God is the solution. Amen. Listen, if you are relying a man who is corrupt to protect you, to provide for you, and to give you wisdom and guidance, you're looking in the wrong place. Amen. Right? right? God exalts leaders. 
and God brings leaders down. There's no one in a leadership position that God hasn't put there. They aren't there by accident. That means all over the whole world. He puts them there just like Pharaoh. Pharaoh was not a good person, but he was there for God's purpose. Mm -hmm. Pharaoh did not deserve to be honored, worshipped. He was not a good person. Right? right? Mm -hmm. Don't put your faith and your trust in man. Amen. Don't put your faith and your trust in a preacher or a pastor. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? If I haven't already, someday I'm going to let you down. Because I am flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. I am human. I am selfish. I am self-centered. Don't look at me like none of you are. <laughs> right? Some of you are like, that's not me. <laughs> selfish and self-centered. And I'm going to hurt your feelings someday. Oh my gosh. I'm going to let you down someday. Unintentionally. Mm -hmm. Right? I, maybe someday it will be intentional. I don't know. But I'm a human. <laughs> I'm human. I can have a bad day too. So if your faith and your trust is in me and me having a smile on my face all the time, which you know isn't true already if you've been here any amount of time, or you're relying on me, you're in trouble. I'm God's instrument, but I am not perfect. And I do not belong on a pedestal. No pastor. No matter how big their church is, or how much money they have, or how many jets they own, deserve to be put on a pedestal. Right. Because men fail. Yeah. Here's the thing. I may never climb up on the pedestal, but people can put that person Fancy. on a pedestal. Fancy. And while they're standing on flat ground... As people begin to worship them instead of worshiping God, they begin to crank up the pedestal. And they begin to rise from the stage and they take the place of God. He didn't start out, he's not even doing his own cranking. Right? He started out humble. Most pastors do. They start out humble. Knowing that they can't do this on their own. But then success comes. And people begin to pat them on the back and tell them how good they are and how great they are and how awesome they are. And it's not just pastors. It's anyone in leadership. Amen. Worship pastors. Right? Teachers. we got teachers today who have been put on pedestals that are prominent in the media. Listen, they will disappoint you. Their marriages aren't perfect. They don't always tell the truth. You don't know what they do at home when it's just them and the doors are shut. No one is perfect. I am no different than you as it relates to my nature. Come on, preach. Right? And listen, I don't think, I'm not trying to say that I think you think I'm something special. I, I hope you know that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, though, that no man, because you guys know how I feel about myself. If anything, I'm a self-loather. Right? So, uh, but don't put your faith and trust in man. Amen. No matter what his title is, no matter how many degrees he has behind his name, if your faith, your sole source is a man, that man will let you down. That male, that female, when I say man, I mean mm -hmm. generic. A human being will let you down. My mama will tell you the story of, I hope it's okay if I share this, with her dad. And 
Whenever she needed something, she would go to him and ask him to pray for it. Because her faith and her trust wasn't in God. Her faith and her trust was in her dad. Right? If dad asks, God will answer. You know what I'm saying? My boys are like that with my mom. It's kind of embarrassing, to be honest with you. I feel kind of jealous. <laughs> they bypass me and go directly to her. Well, that's disgraceful. But they will go and they say, we know that mom, or grandma, granny, when she prays, God answers. Right? Faith and trust in man. But eventually, man will let you down. Don't seek man. Don't honor man. Don't follow man. No matter how talented an orator, no matter how talented or charismatic that person is, no matter how he or she tickles your ears with what you want to hear, don't follow a man. Because man will let us down. So verses 3 and 4 are true that we don't have to trust in man. When man dies, his plans perish with him. All of his great ideas, they perish with him. All of his plans for evil and all of his plans for good, they perish with him. Someone will come along and replace it. Right? But we can take hope, starting with verse 5. Verse 3 and verse 4 tell us don't trust man. Beginning with verse 5, it tells us why and who we should trust and why we should trust God. Right. Look at verse 5. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That's number one. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now listen. The God of Jacob there is no small thing. The psalmist knows who he's, uh, his audience is, right? His audience are other Israelites. His audience are the other children of God, the children of Abraham. So, for those who don't know, Abraham, God made his covenant with Abraham. Then he renewed the covenant with his son Isaac. And then he renewed the covenant again with Isaac's son, Jacob. So you have the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac and the God of Abraham. You'll see in the Bible where many times it will say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Here he's saying the God of Jacob, which encompasses Abraham and Isaac, right? He's saying the God who made the covenant, the God who said that uh, he would make you a great nation, that he would make their seed as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He's saying the God who brought us out of Egypt, right, and split the Red Sea. The God who brought us across the Jordan and brought down the walls of Jericho, right? You see what I'm saying? The God who saved Noah and his family when he destroyed the, the, the earth with water. The God who saved Lot and his family when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The God who got sent Jonah to Nineveh so that Nineveh could be saved. Amen. The God who drove out the enemies before the nation of Israel as they entered the promised land. The God who delivered them time and time again from their enemies. Amen. The God of Jacob. Right? Now it's hard for you and I to relate to because Jacob died a long, long time ago. When I was looking at this this week, I was trying to personalize it.
Because the people who read this at this time would know exactly what the author meant, the God of Jacob. But it doesn't that seem so far away. I didn't see the Red Sea split. I've read about it from a book that was written, you know, thousands of years ago that were pieced together from stories told down generation after generation. Right? But let me tell you a little bit about the God of Lily Crawford. Or how about the God of Jane the Courtship? Or how about the God of Tanya Hudson? Or how about the God of Gail Ford? Or the God of Kev Banta, the God of Nancy Rodriguez, the God of Joey Bear. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Personalize it. Let me tell you a little bit about the God of Curtis Crawford. Let me tell you a little bit about the God of Gina. Let me tell you a little bit about the God of Brett and Cheryl and Shannon and Takia. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jeanette, Hopi, Sabrina, Jeffrey. Let me tell you about that God. Let me tell you about the God who saved me from dying on the I-95. Let me tell you about the God who widened a one-lane bridge so two cars could go across it. The God who performed miracles. Let me tell you about the God who saved a man who had spent his life rejecting God and mocking his name at the great age of 58 so that he called upon God as Lord and Savior and was changed so that his sons knew that he was a different man. That's my God. Let me tell you about the God who had mercy on my brother who ran from him for years and reached out to him in Texas and not only saved him, but his wife and his children too. Let me tell you about the God that when I was laid off of work for months and had no more income, he made sure I didn't lose my house and my family didn't go without food and my power was never turned off. Let me tell you about the God that when Billy was six months old, he was running 105 fever. They couldn't get him to go down. They didn't know what was going on. They sent him to Fairfax Hospital. And I cried out to God and said, God, have mercy on him. They couldn't figure it out. That night his temperature broke. And they still to this day don't know what was wrong. They just know that his temperature broke and he came home from the hospital the next day. They put him in ice baths. They gave him antibiotics. They did test after test. They did a spinal tap on a six-month-old and could not figure out what was wrong. But my God, my God, my God. Hallelujah. You got your own stories. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You don't have to trust in man. Mm-hmm. You, you trust in your God. Amen. The God who has had mercy and performed miracles for you. But I don't know about you. I like reading these old stories. Don't get me wrong. And I like seeing what God is through these things. But I like even more when I see him painting in my old life and working right here today in the life of my mom and the life of my grandparents and my great-grandparents. You hear what I'm saying? I like when I see him moving in the lives of my children and working miracles there and in your lives. Let me tell you something. As a pastor, I worship God every time he answers a prayer. My heart hurts for you. I pray for you when I know you're suffering and you're hurting. And uh, when Pastor Matt got, I had the babies come home. Let me tell you something. I was probably as excited as they were. That 
I see. Yes. That's one of the God that I serve. Yes. You can take an impossible situation. Yes, thank you, Jesus. The God of Jacob is my God. Yeah. The God of Curtis. You see what I'm saying? Not about me. I hope you know that that's not what I'm saying. Personalizing. It doesn't have to be 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 8,000 years ago that you have to look for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen. I can look Amen. back yesterday. Amen. Woo! Yes. Uh, let me tell you something. I can look back at 1045 in that office this morning when we were praying and let you know that uh, he's God. Yes. Last week, last Sunday, God revealed himself in a mighty way. See, because he's not a God of dusty pages. He's a God of the right now. He's a God of the forever. He ain't just contained in uh, this uh, book of, uh, of 66 books. Uh, he's not just contained. This is just a mere glimpse of who he is. But he renews himself and shows himself in new ways to me as I walk my life and as I live my life as he's personal. He's a personal God. He wants to know you. One of the greatest things I read this week as I was crying out to God, he pointed me to Psalm, I believe it's 33. And this is Curtis's paraphrase. He said, I individually created the heart of man and I understand his ways. Let me tell you what that means to me. That my God created me and you special, individual. And he understands you because he created you. And he created you and understands you and wants to know you. To have a relationship with you. Our God is personal God. He's not a God of a dusty tone. He's real. Yes. He's alive. Amen. He's vibrant. Amen. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you feel that when I'm feeling this morning. No disparaging word to this Bible. I want you to understand that. But I don't just have to read what he did for others. Amen. Because he and his faithfulness yes. and his mercy. I'm writing my own story. Amen. Amen. So that someday my grandkids will go back and say, I don't have to worry because I know the God of Grandpa. Amen. Oh my goodness gracious. I don't have to be afraid because I know this God of Jacob. Uh, he was the God of Grandma. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. He's the God of Mom and Dad. Right? I don't have to worry or fret. It says, he made heaven and earth, the sea and not all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. When man won't pardon you, God does. Amen. You don't have to rely on some man to forgive you, have mercy on you, or pardon you, 
God takes care of that. Amen. Sometimes he does it instantly. Sometimes he waits. And then sometimes we won't know until we get to heaven. We won't be set free until we get to his presence and glory. But know this, that he hears the cry of the oppressed. <coughs> and he executes justice. Don't try to get revenge. Let your God handle that. I believe it is the psalmist who said that God's will grinds exceedingly fine. It's talking about his judgment. Right? God can do what no man can do. Yes. He can break your enemies like you can never break your enemies. Amen. That's why you honor him with the choices that you make. You honor them. Honor him with the way that you treat those that are even your enemies. And you allow God to do his part. Yes. My dad was awful to my, my grandfather. Uh, in fact, when I believe it was my brother Jimmy was just a little baby, my dad kicked them out of their house. They had come all the way down from southwestern Virginia, which back in that day was about an eight-hour drive because of speed limits in cars. Kicked them out and sent them home just because he got mad about something. My grandfather, who had every right to be angry and to say, I'm never going up there again. My grandfather, who had every right to call that man a heathen because that's what he was, and to be mean and hateful and nasty. My grandfather prayed for my dad. And he left everything else up to God. And I really believe that it is those prayers and the way that he treated my father that led to my dad's salvation later on. Because see, he showed my dad forgiveness. After that moment happened, there was no formal apology because my dad never said he was sorry. He, not that I know. I know. Not that I know. He never apologized to me for all the tongue lashings that I got and all the cussing and the beat down. I never heard my dad say he was sorry. Hard man. My grandfather did not demand an apology from him. The next time he saw my dad, he acted like nothing had even happened at all. My grandfather's way he lived his life was he would do what he was supposed to do and let God handle the vengeance or the salvation or whatever else that is. Let God handle that. We love, we treat with respect and dignity, even when we are not treated with respect and dignity. Because our God hears your cry, he sees your pain, he sees the abuse and the suffering, and he is a defender. Amen. He is a protector. Amen. Verse 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Now physically, God opens the eyes of the blind. Jesus did that on many occasions where the blind physically could not see 
and he healed them. He made the lamb, the lame to walk. Those who were physically bowed down, they could not move on their own. They could not, they could not walk on their own. He physically healed them. But this is also a spiritual blessing. He opened your eyes and my eyes from being blind to spiritual things so that I could see spiritual things. I was lame and crippled in my flesh, separated from God, unable to drag my way to him. Yet, through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he brought me from being lame to having life. I was lame and I was blind. But God restores and heals the blind. He restores sight to the blind and he raises and honors those who are bowed down. He physically heals and he spiritually heals. Amen. That's how awesome our God is. The Lord watches over the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked he turns upside down. Listen. God despises, God really is angry with people who do not take care of orphans and widows. He, he, he talks about it multiple times, that orphans and widows should be taken care of. And we as a church have a responsibility to take care of them, orphans and widows. God protects them. And he wants you and I to be the hands and feet that ministers and helps them. Right? It hurts his heart when the church doesn't do what it's supposed to. And I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. We need, to, we need to reassert ourselves as Christians and take care of the oppressed. We're God's hands and feet. God may be calling you. To be the answer to what he's spring promised right here. Amen. You could be somebody's answer. Amen. Right? He makes this promise that he watches over strangers and he relieves the fatherless and the widow. You could be his answer to a widow or to an orphan or to the poor. You could be the answer to this promise. This is a promise. Amen. You could be the answer to that promise. I don't know about you, but that just hit me. We could be the answer Amen. to that promise that God wants to use us. Amen. So, especially at this time of year, look for someone that you can help. Look for someone that you can bless. Don't just go about buying your family stuff. Now look, all of us are at different income levels. But all of us can help somebody. Amen. Right? Amen. I don't know about you, but I always, I buy more groceries than I need. <laughs> right? Many of us, we talk about we don't have money, but boy, our bellies are full and big. Right? Why don't we take some of that that we're stuffing in ourselves and don't need and give it to somebody else? Amen. Let's not make it selfish. Let's be the answer that God promised here. Let us be the promise. Amen. Right? Many of us are buying presents. We are spending thousands of dollars on our children to get them the latest sneakers, the latest Xbox, the latest TV. Right? There no. are many people that do that, 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 that are spending money on it, but then they, they won't help 
uh, you know, pick up a star off an angel tree and buy a kid a stuffed animal or a set of clothes. We shouldn't have to beg to help people who are hurting. Right? We shouldn't have to beg. And the burden shouldn't fall on one or two. Now, we shouldn't look and say that I don't have the money when I've got the money to go out to eat and I've got the money. Lord, please forgive me. But you know what I'm saying? We're so selfish and self-centered, and I'm guilty too. But we say we don't have money to put in the little red Salvation Army bucket, not even a quarter. But we stop and get coffee. Or we buy our kids Lunchables. Right? We have a state of mind that believed that we allow the people that we consider to be wealthier than us to do all the giving. And we think that somehow we are disqualified for being God's hands and feet, and that is not true. We're not. If God bless you with a little, he expects you to give. If he bless you with a lot, he expects you to give. Where we feel like we don't have to bless. Because bless, God bless somebody greater than us. More than us. And it really roots in jealousy. Wow. It's rooted in jealousy, envy, strife. We have a world of jealousy. We envy people and we say they can give. When I'm not, and I'm not willing to. They can pick up the slack. They can do it. They can do it. They can do it. When God is saying, you do it. Me do it. No one's asking anyone to spend a million dollars, a hundred dollars, five dollars. Drop a quarter in. Give the widow's might. Mm -hmm. So the next time you go buy one of them Salvation Army kettles, reach in your pocket and pull out your change or go through your purse and pull out a quarter and put it in. God honors it. He honors that as much as he honors the person that can give a million dollars to a charity. Amen. Here's the thing. You disqualify yourself from blessing when you disqualify yourself from giving. Amen. Amen. Right? You wonder why everything's broken. You wonder why everything continues to fall apart. You're not giving. And I'm not talking about giving to this church. I'm talking about giving in, in general. general. God can't bless if you're not sending anything out. Amen. You can't, zero times zero is zero. Yeah. Right? He don't bless you so you can buy more stuff for your home. Mm -hmm. He don't bless you and give you jobs in favor so that you can buy more junk to put in storage. He blesses you and me so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen. And your quarter is a bigger blessing as somebody else's $20 bill. Amen. In the sight of God. Right? Amen. Your, even if you could only buy one little beanie baby or one little toy in one box, you might be the one, that might be the one thing that child prayed for and they'll know that God answered their prayers. Yeah. Don't disqualify yourself from giving. Amen. Because you're disqualifying yourself from the blessing. Yeah. Wow. Be the promise. We like to claim promises. Why am I going this way? We like to claim promises for ourselves. Yeah. Right? Oh, I'll never see the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. God will work everything out for my good, right? Uh, raise a child the way they should go and they won't depart from it. I love to claim promises for me. God, shower me with these promises, man. <laughs> Let them fall out. 
Well, sometimes we need to be the promise. Jesus. That's a promise in verse 9 for the orphan and the widow. We need to stop being selfish. Amen. And be the promise for somebody else. Jesus. Stop being selfish and wanting to hog all the promises Amen. for ourselves. Amen. Stop thinking that your blessings are less than somebody else's blessings. Because <laughs> we do it. Don't we compare? Yeah. Oh, they got blessed more than I got blessed, and we ignore the blessing that we got. We ignored wow. when God opened up a job opportunity. Wow. Because we're not making as much as somebody else. Well, listen, buddy, you didn't have one. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's a blessing. Amen. That's good. We're so jealous. And we're so selfish. We want to claim it all for ourselves. And we don't want to give the promise to anyone else. That's good. I pray about myself. And I don't pray for others. Mm -hmm. I serve myself. And I don't serve others. Wow. Give, folks. Minister to people. Amen. Give them a hug. A kiss. Yes. Buy someone a cup of coffee. Amen. I will tell you that there were times in my life when Kelly and I first got married that we would be left with $5 in our checking account. But guess what? That $5 was after we gave to God. Right? After we gave to God. And we lived off of that $5 for a week sometimes. But God always got his first. Amen. I'm not talking about percentages, but everyone should give something yes. to God. Amen. Right? Mm -hmm. In this body, if you're here, you're being fed, you should give something. Yeah. I don't preach percentages. I preach give what God lays on your heart. And if God, <laughs> I will tell you this, God will never tell you not to give. Amen. Amen. Never. Amen. He'll never say it's okay not to give. Mm -hmm. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor here for going on seven years. Guess what? I'd be lying to you if I told you there wasn't a time or two when I didn't give. Because things were tight and I didn't trust God. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I come to you from a place of understanding. Mm -hmm. But if you've gone a year without giving a dollar, well, we got a problem. Listen, I don't take a salary. I get paid nothing. No one here gets paid anything. No one. Everyone is volunteer. Every penny that comes into this church either goes back out through ministry or it pays to keep the lights on. Honest to goodness. You're, if you want to look at the route, come see me. I'll let you have the ledger. You'll see. It's for, for nothing. No one gets paid nothing. Right? So it's not like you're giving to someone who's just putting it in their pockets. So give something. Mm -hmm. Right? And say, maybe my dollar kept one of these fluorescent lights on for the duration of the service. Amen. Right? So be generous. Be a blessing so that God can bless you. And Amen. I'm so sorry. I totally went on a tangent. Verse 10. The Lord shall reign forever. 
your God, O Zion, to all generations. And to sum it all up, the reason that you and I can trust the God of Jacob, the reason you and I can trust the God that we serve, the reason that you and I can trust that he will meet the needs of the oppressed, that he will revive, that he will relieve the pain in the, of, of the fatherless and of the widow, the reason that we can trust in him is because he reigns forever. Amen. Men live and men die, and their plans die with them. The wicked have their plans, but he says right here, he turns them upside down. Meaning he makes them crooked. Meaning they can't accomplish their plans. Amen. The reason we can worship God and honor him, and that put our trust in men, is because he reigns forever yes. to all generations. Amen. And all generations means not just the greatest generation or the generation after that. Or just, all generations. That means your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-grandkids and your great-great-great-grandkids. See, you can... Go home to rest with the Lord knowing that the same God that you serve is the same God that sits upon the throne for the generation to generation to generation to generation. Oh, the world may go crazy as it has. The world may continue to spiral as it will. But you can rest in this one thing, that the God of Jacob, yes. the God that you serve, yes. reigns forever yes. from generation yes. to generation. Yes. He sits upon the throne from generation to to generation. Amen. Yeah. Meaning that I can take my last breath knowing that my boys are going to be okay. Amen. That my grandchildren are going to be okay. Because the God that I serve and the God that my mama served and the God that my grandfather served. You see what I'm saying? He still sets upon the throne. Yeah. From generation to generation. Yeah. I can trust in him. I can hold on to him. I can worship him and praise him. And he ends with, all together, praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.